You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates. And if the title doesn't tell you what we're talking about, I don't know what will. We will be covering the April 2020 stats in this podcast. And that quote you saw is from CMHC, home prices won't recover from COVID for years. Today, I want to get into the numbers because they've finally been released. And anybody that's been tracking with our podcast knows how excited we've been. Every single podcast, we talk about how this is going to come out. And finally, it is here. We're going to be jumping into what the stats say, what they tell us, but also the impression of what the market is doing, what the media is selling, because based on what they say will dictate how many people quickly jump in the market or hold back. And so I want to cover kind of what I'm seeing, what the overall feel is. I've got these stats from Treb, but I'm equally interested in the stats published by media outlets. And I want to share with you kind of what that sounds like. And then we're going to get into how long does CMHC think it will take to recover when it says they won't recover for years. What exactly are they saying and maybe why are they saying it? And then I want to wrap things up by talking about rental prices You'll see in the stats, rental prices seem to have been going down in the short term. Is it because of the pandemic or is it something that was maybe here before? And is this a long-term play? We've got a lot of investors that listen to our podcast. So I am equally interested in finding out and getting to the bottom of whether we can expect rental prices to bounce back on the other side of COVID-19. And I'm just so excited. Today's going to be an action-packed day for us. We actually will be putting out a video slash podcast on all of our wavelengths, our airwaves, however you say that, today, which is going to be more of a quarterly update. And I give you guys full permission. If you've watched our podcast daily over the last two, three weeks, you can skip it. You know, it's very general in nature. It's talking more from a high level perspective. So when you see it, you just keep scrolling on by. It is good content. It's good content for the masses, but for people who are staying tuned with our daily podcast, it is old news. In fact, I recorded it probably two and a half weeks ago. And so that's up to you if you want to listen to it. It is very general in nature. It talks about what could happen and possible scenarios. But of course, because we're hearing so much more by now, you should be miles ahead of what that can deliver as far as content. Also, I'm going to be recording an interview with a gentleman named Casey Wong. He is a bigwig investor in Southern Ontario, and that will be coming out next week as our weekly video. That one you will not want to miss, and you'll want to tune in for that podcast. I'm going to be asking him some very direct questions and very good questions as it applies to large investors here in the GTA and in the Greater Toronto and Horseshoe, Greater Toronto and Hamilton area. Mess it up with horseshoe. The H throws me right off. And and I also will be setting up today multiple calls with clients. So contrary to popular belief, for large performing agents, deals are still happening. So don't think that although sales are down, we're not doing anything. There are a, a blanket of agents who are doing nothing. And there are some that we saw from our stats yesterday that I've just pulled out onto the sidelines. But there are many of us who are still working. And it's because there are clients that are taking the opportunity. There are some clients that are desperate, of course. But there are some making those moves, even though it's not a desperation. In fact, it's a move. It's a play. And so today, I'm so excited to get into some of the stats and what some of the media outlets are saying. And I'm so glad you guys could join us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Stick close to us because we're going to keep putting out awesome content. Let's jump into the CP24 article. 
entitled GTA Home Sales Plunge 67% in April as COVID-19 Pandemic Freezes the Real Estate Market. Okay, this article is short, but it is packed with info, okay? I actually really like this. I think this is how news media outlets should be publishing this content. Very to the point. Maybe it's because I'm a business kid. I grew up, you know, university. I took finance in university. I love like executive summaries. You keep this very simple. If I want more info, which in our case we do, we go a little bit deeper. But for the masses, this is good insight and in a way non-biased, which is why I really like it. Unfortunately, it doesn't cover everything, but it covers a good chunk on what you would want to know coming out. So here we go, guys. I'm not going to hold you on the cliff any longer. The Toronto Real Estate Board reports home sales in the GTA plunged 67% in April as the academic wow, academic economic effects of the COVID-19 pandemic put a chill on the housing market. They give you the stats, they say 2975 residential transactions in April compared to 9005 last year in April. Sales in the city of Toronto fell nearly 68% year over year, while the average price fell 2.5%. Okay, remember that, okay? This is gonna this is gonna kick in in a minute. The average price fell 2.5% to 88 or 881,000 in April 2020 from 904,000 a year earlier. Okay, two and a half percent price drop on average. On a seasonally adjusted basis, Treb said April home prices in the GTA fell 11.8% from March. Seasonally adjusted home prices falling in the GTA. Condo rentals were down on a so so not good news, right? So condo rentals were down on a year over year basis in April, falling 57.9% for one bedrooms, okay? So rentals and two bedrooms is 54.4%. Is this not what we've been talking about? I love that now we're getting numbers on rentals and the changes in the price of rentals. And we'll get into whether that's long-term as we kind of go through this podcast. But what was my numbers? Go back, guys. I said I didn't have stats. I was just going based on the markets that I was investigating. I have clients that are looking on the east end of downtown. I've got clients looking in near Square One. I've got clients looking in North York in the condo space. And I've been looking for them. And they've been kind of a mix of two bedrooms and one bedrooms. And what did I say? 50%. Right, I noticed about a 50% and it'd be a little bit more because what I was doing was I was taking 14-day moving average to 30-day moving average and comparing it to 120 days. And so when you include the 90 and the 120, of course, it goes a little bit more. So it's a little bit higher than 50%, but it's floating around 50%. We said that. You guys should know that. And now the numbers are telling us the same story. Prices for renters were also down for the month with the average one-bedroom rent falling 2.7% to 2107 and the average two bedroom falling 4.1% to 2705. So here's the thing. Rents have gone down. We've seen rents decreasing by 2.7% for the month. Renters were also down for the month. That's a pretty substantial drop, right? And that sounds to me like they're talking month over month. And for two bedrooms, it's down 4%. Again, we're going to get into whether this is long-term or whether this is just an immediate shock to the prices of rentals. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But very interesting stats, and I love that they're right to the point. And here's the thing. This is a quote. They took one quote from the Treb CEO, and he said, These are unprecedented times. Past recessions and recoveries do not necessarily provide the best guide as to how the housing market will recover from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. I agree, right? We can't necessarily look at what's happened in the past. I've been saying this from the very beginning because this is not a common 
market drop, right? Like the 2008 was directed because of a housing collapse in the States. And it was an economic meltdown that was kind of from outside of our control. In this case, it is man-made in that it's controlled by us. We put it in place. And as much as many of you guys don't think it's possible, we can stop it from being in place. This is the funny thing, right? We're doing this in the name of health and protecting of people's lives. We're doing this on purpose. We're keeping it closed. But what's to stop us from opening the doors tomorrow? Would we have lots of deaths? Yes. But at the end of the day, we could fix this. This could be repaired overnight. It's just a very interesting scenario. A key factor of the housing market recovery will be the broader reopening of the economy, which will result in an improving employment picture and a resurgence in consumer confidence. Again, if you guys have been watching our, or I guess, listening to our podcast, wherever channel that is, you know these things. This is not new information, but we got to tell everybody else. Okay. So here's one thing I want to jump into. Toronto housing market remains in deep freeze during coronavirus lockdown. So I remember I talked about how I want to kind of talk about what how people are delivering this message. And this was kind of additional information. And just just try you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying in a second. So here, this is the article. Still, when compared to the year before, the market held up. Though transactions were down by two-thirds from April last year, the average selling price was little changed as new listings fell 64%. This is a good point. Uh, something I also want to mention. Months of inventory, guys. We talked about this in our podcast yesterday, and we've been talking about we've been tracking this actually. I'd be very interested to see in the coming weeks if this number closes all the way down to zero, maybe even flips on us, and new listings are actually we actually have more sales than new listings. That'd be interesting. Once we see that happen, oh man, that'll be a that'll be the day that I start yelling off my rooftops. The yesterday we had a, a top number of podcast downloads. We've reached an, an all-time high for us. And I'll tell you, I'll be yelling so loud they can hear me before they even subscribe. Because that would be a very interesting time where it's guy it's gonna be like, guys, open your eyes, right? On a year-over-year basis, the benchmark price rose 10%. This is what I want to talk about though. Okay. On a year-over-year basis, the benchmark price rose 10%. Well, wait a minute. Bradley, are you losing your mind? Did we not just talk about how prices dropped? This, you know, this is how I talk, right? When I'm in the shower, this is how I talk in the third person. Mind you, when you have a two-year-old, you talk in the third person a lot. Anyways, that's my embarrassing life. Okay. Now, on a year-over-year basis, they're saying that the benchmark price rose 10%. Well, then here's the thing. Well, how how, how can you have both those things be true? Because both of those things are true. That's not a mistake. And I, I can get to that explaining what the benchmark price means in a second. When thinking about home prices, it's important to remember that the pace of the price growth is dictated by a relationship between sales and listings. So that's your months of inventory again. Okay. So while the onset of COVID-19 has understandably shifted market conditions, this is a quote, by the way, by the chief market analyst from TREB, and resulted in average selling prices coming off their March peak, there has continued to be enough active buyers related to available listings to keep price in line with last year's levels. Very true, right? That's actually true. And they seem to be kind of at a bottom. Like we did a we did a podcast. Actually, you did a lot better than I expected where we were talking about rock bottom prices. And this is kind of what the, the details of that were is now we're seeing months of inventory is almost zero, meaning sales are down at the same number of new listings. And so things aren't really coming in in droves because if, if, if you get a flood of new listings, that's what affects price because people are in urgent. But if you can keep that months of inventory below 4%, which it seems like we have, you still maintain that seller's market zone. And so the price drops we've seen have only really been due to people dumping properties because of the lack of multiple offers, right? Like their multiple offers pretty much dried up. Anyways, I'm not gonna get into that. You guys know that because we talk about it all the time. Okay. But here's what I want to dive into here. 
this idea of how do we have a 10% increase in the benchmark price? Well, here's the funny thing that I love watching the real estate boards do. And if you don't know this, that's fine. It's not, I don't know if it's commonplace, common knowledge, but this is often what makes when media is not so good, when the market seems to be turning down, that confuses people because you'll have one person come up to them and say, well, prices are up 10%, right? Year over year. Okay. And then you'll turn around and say, oh, no, no, prices are down 2.5% year over year. And so you've heard it from two reliable sources and two true pieces of information, but yet you're confused because that doesn't make any sense. And you just kind of write off and say, well, generally our market's pretty good, so you walk away. So let me explain to you why those numbers are different. So that market, that last number, the benchmark price, that is not average selling price. That is some, That goes based on something called the MLS home price index. So I actually went on the Canadian Real Estate Association website just to kind of give how they explain it. And they say the HPI is the most advanced and accurate tool to gauge a neighborhood's home price levels and trends. And then average or median price prices can change a lot from one month to the next and paint an inaccurate or even unhelpful picture of price values and trends. The MLS HPI is based on the value home buyers assign to various housing attributes, which tend to evolve gradually over time. It therefore provides an apples to apples comparison of home price across the entire country. Each month, HPI uses more than a decade of MLS system data and sophisticated statistical models to define a quote, typical home based on features of homes. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, let me explain to you what this is actually going on, okay? The HPI, what they do is they take homes by segment. So you can, it, it where it gets good is you can actually compare like you got this condo versus these condos and they line up more closely versus right now when we see overall average selling price, what is missed in all of that calculation is what exactly is going, going up and what exactly is going down. Because if you're not in this case, what they actually, they actually mentioned it in this market watch that they did. They say they said here, the MLS HPI indices represent prices for typical homes. And the fact that the MLS HPI was up year over year by a greater rate than the average selling price suggests the share of higher end deals completed in April 2020 versus 2019 was down. So what that really tells you is that the luxury segment the homes that are more expensive are not selling because now we are seeing price increasing for what is still on the market, but for overall, it's down. So I don't completely buy that as the only reason. That's an easy thing to say. It's such a realtor-esque thing to say, right? Like the market's still amazing. Your home, your housing, but like, let's be honest, like we've seen, at least I've seen significant price declines, even in your run-of-the-mill home. So what what is what's ironic about this whole thing is the HPI. You never hear that number in a good booming real estate market. You only hear the HPI come out when the market numbers are not good. And so, I get that they say it's more advanced and accurate. But if it was more advanced and accurate, we'd be publishing that number instead of the median and average prices, which is not the case. So, anyways, don't get confused by the numbers, guys. If you were to go house by house by segment, the type of home that you're selling. Yes. Okay, fine. We got a 10% increase, but let's not quickly run to those numbers. That's not the numbers being published in the media. That's the public, that's the numbers being published by the Canadian Real Estate Association to keep numbers looking good when the numbers don't look so hot. They did the same thing in 2017 and they'll keep doing the same thing every time there's up downs. That's fine. But at least now you guys understand that difference. So you won't get tripped up. So I actually went into, I didn't want to leave it at the articles. I wanted to get a little bit more insight on what the TREB stats were suggesting. So here's what they're saying. The average selling price for April 2020 was up by 0.1% compared to the average price. Okay, so that's that looks like it's dealing with all of the uh, local GTA. Semi-detached in the housing market, the townhome market segments experienced annual overall 
average price growth and above the rate of inflation and condominium apartments detached segments experience year over year price declines. Okay, so let me let me give you the, the numbers. That's kind of the wording, but breakdown is this. And this is in Toronto, by the way. There's numbers different for the GTA, but gives you an idea of Toronto. Detached are down in price, 7.8%. Okay. Semi is up 4%. Townhome is up 3.5% and condos is down 4%. Now you'll remember condos were on a boom. So the fact that they're down 4%, I mean, all these things kind of net into not a bad position for us. Like we, we've pretty much come back to even, they've all kind of balanced out. And anyways, interesting numbers. So depending on where you fall, your investment properties that you have or your home in the GTA or in Toronto, in this case, you can kind of figure out how well you're doing people running away from the detached. But again, the detached is most likely where you're going to see that high end luxury homes, the more expensive ones that are maybe pulling off the market, which would impact those numbers, right? So this is something to keep in mind that HPI is not for nothing, right? Like it actually does paint a different picture. Once you understand that, and you can even argue in the condo segment too, there's some very luxurious condos in Toronto. And so if those were pulling back, that would affect those numbers. So that's where the skew is happening. Anyways, you guys hopefully have learned something. If you didn't know that, now you do. And so let's move right along. Those are the stats. Okay. That's what the media is saying. You'll notice there was no reference in there at all about the first half of April, second half of April and what's changed. Maybe the reason for that is because it came out. Okay. Like we actually ended up coming where that months of inventory, you can hear it in Treb's voice a little bit where the months of inventory seem to be just kind of flat. Now they're getting closer. And so maybe they didn't think it was a big deal to mention, but I think that 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 transition, it's not just about the fact that things are better now. The transition from not so good to better is what I'm interested in because you see a trend. There was a trend that happened that was kind of missed in these articles that we've been tracking because we're doing these every day, but in the media, you don't see it. So I'm going to continue to track these things weekly. So if you're not following us, please do because you don't want to miss this stuff because in between these, we get actually last month, we had a mid-month market update. So they're starting to give out more and the more outlets we can get information from on a weekly basis, the faster we can paint this picture and jump on these opportunities if they do change before they're gone. Okay, so let's talk about CMHC. This is a very, very interesting article in my mind because we've we've seen the stats and the figures that have come out from publications like TD, RBC. We did CIBC just yesterday. So we know what the banks are saying. We know what Treb is saying. And they they all are kind of in partnership, I guess. Like they they all have an interest in things doing well, but they also have clients they need to, in, in Treb's case, they have a membership, right? So it's a little bit more of a biased approach. But in, in the banking segment, they want to advise their clients. And these are all based on economists. The problem is we've seen it ranging in as almost 20% range from over 8.7% down to like 20%, even from the major banks. So, sorry, down 10%. Sorry, I want to make sure that's not messed up. We're not expecting 20% drops. Okay. So, but here's the thing. Now CMHC has become, they've had their economists speaking and it doesn't seem, actually, it's not as good as I would have thought. And it's actually interesting how they approach it. So I'm going to read this article from CP24. Canada Housing and Mortgage Corp. officials said Tuesday they expect real estate prices won't return to pre-recession levels until late 2022, right? So this is pretty much saying from... See, because the thing is, is we had an increase in price up till March. So we're pretty much right now we're playing back from 2019. So we're trying to like beat last year's prices, which was on kind of an uptick really quickly. So then it's going to take us, in other words, in my mind, even until 2021 March before we get into the April prices, which shows today. But the fact that they're saying 2022 means that even into next year, we're going to continue to have a challenge. Like if they were to say late levels of until the, the mid year of 2021, then I'd be like, okay, fine. Yeah. Cause we experienced like significant price drops in 
April in May. And so then by the time you get to year over year by next year, you're going to be kind of reflecting off of a not so good 2020. But because they put this to 2022 is what's got me surprised. It's like they're, they're, they're expecting there to be prolonged challenges in pricing and in the market. It's just a very weird thing to come out of the CMHC because CMHC, they're kind of like the insurer of the housing industry. Okay, they, they back all these mortgages. Now, maybe it's because they want more funding. Who knows, right? The housing agency also cautioned that the impact of COVID-19 pandemic is unpredictable and beyond its worst case estimates prior to the outbreak. So this is one of the things they're saying too. They must have, they have some kind of stress. Like we know about the stress test. I actually talked about it. They said the stress test focused on what's considered to be quote plausible scenarios. So we know they had applied the stress test in order to protect the housing market from things like this. But based on what this conversation looks like, it looks like they maybe underestimated it, right? And so now they're getting a little bit more freaked out. And these also come after having seen some of the April numbers that came out yesterday. We did back in January, look at the pandemic scenarios that was not as severe as this. So that was from an annual financial report from for 2019. So they're saying they didn't expect this. And I'm sure that you'd understand that the realm of plausibility has expanded significantly as a re- result of all the experience we've had. Of course, we've seen that fluctuation in estimates from economists. Which So the Federal Crown Corporation, which provides CMHC market analysis for housing-related industries, mortgage insurance for lenders, and funding for public housing projects, is now revising its estimate on an ex- expedited basis based on experience during the spring and summer. He said prime uh, preliminary figures indicate that about 10% of homeowners across Canada have chosen to defer their mortgage payments, although the rate seems higher. Tens of thousands of Canadians. So this is the other thing, right? They've been dealing with these mortgage. And we talked about yesterday how the credit seems to be going up. The, the loan value seems to be going up because of the deferral of mortgages, kind of replacing the increasing in new mortgage applications. So it's a very interesting thing. Go back and listen to that if you want to check that out as well. Those are Better Dwelling article. Canadian mortgage and housing has given lenders the flexibility to extend mortgage deferrals by a further six months, he said, but the deferrals will mean that missed payments will be added to the total mortgage owing in terms of determined by the contractual agreement between lender and buyer, of course. Okay. And that was what we talked about yesterday. Uh, CMHC chief economist Bob Dugan said the reliable forecasts are difficult to make because there are so many unknown variables, including how much income levels deteriorate because of unemployment. That's true. The timing of future immigration, also true. Also a big point we've been poking at. I talked about this just yesterday over and over again. This immigration thing is going to be very interesting. And how the construction industry responds. That's true. We've seen the development numbers going down. They actually seem like they will continue to go down for the next couple of years, which, which in my mind affects supply, right? Now, if demand is also impacted, fine, but in the long term, that would naturally mean we've had less come on the housing. You guys know how tight the market has been. So, but for Canada and for Ontario, I think the best case we're looking at house prices getting back to their pre-recession levels at the earliest by the end of 2022. Again, that's so far out, man. I don't know I, I guess that's it. So I can't, I can't argue with what they're saying. That's what their economists are saying. And it's very interesting. Now, the thing is, is we have already seen a 10 to 15% price drops, right? Actually, maybe 15 is a little aggressive, but we've seen 8 to 10% price drops here in the GTA in the short term, month over month. And so I could argue, well, maybe that's the 10% taking that long for it to get back to those numbers. Some other people would argue, well, that means we're going to keep going down and then we'll come back. So it depends on your perspective. But at the end of the day, if you think the latter, then put in a low ball offer. That's what some of my clients are doing. All right. On Monday, they talk about, actually, I'm going to skip that because they're talking about the HPI. They're saying that according to Vancouver, it's up 0.2% in the HPI. So I'll just kind of reinforce that point. Very interesting stuff. 
And however, CMHC has ended 2019 with a strong financial position set it continues towards a 2030 goal of ensuring all Canadians can get housing they need at affordable prices. In the meantime, he said it's likely it's unlikely that both incomes and house prices will, quote, sag. That's interesting. I love how they like add that in. There's literally like the last little paragraph. In the meantime, he said it's likely that both incomes and home prices will, quote, sag. And it's how these moves re- relative to each other that will define the gap between where we are post-crisis and where we will be. So there you go. Incomes versus home prices. A little bit of a sag. Sag doesn't sound so bad, right? Like repair, needing to wait until 2022 before things. That sounds bad. Anyways. Okay. So I want to talk about rentals. And you know what got me so excited about this? There was a Narcity article, narcity.com, that says rent in Toronto has gotten cheaper since the pandemic, but don't expect it to last. And I was like, that's a good article. All right, let's do it. So I put it, I put it at the tail end of this podcast because I want to go through it. And I'm like, and I want to know, right? Like I'm, I'm learning too, guys. I'm trying to, I'm trying to read these articles to get my head around this whole thing. I know I've, what I, my position is on it, but I want to know what I'm hearing in the, in the news. So here's the article because it's just so funny with Toronto being one of the most expensive places, da, 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 da. It's hard to find an apartment, both affordable and livable. Okay. So, so they go on and they say, the showcase of average rental prices is not all bad. Toronto rental prices have actually dropped in April, yet residents are still looking at a hefty price tag. So just saying Toronto is still expensive. Okay. Then they go on and talk about how the TREP rates went down, which we've already kind of covered. There was a drop, and just to reiterate, a 2.7% drop on one bedrooms, a 4.1% drop in rent rates for two bedrooms. And they said, this is what they said, these drops in rental prices is a direct impact of the pandemic and the city has currently been dealing with. So they're saying it is directly as a result of the pandemic. See, as soon as I read that, I'm like, uh, okay. I don't know if I agree with that. Like we have seen the pandemic had a serious impact. People aren't moving, you know, and, and there's an increase in Airbnbs. Yes. Okay. So, okay. Let's say in my mind, it's kind of like, let's say 60 to 70% of it has gone up through the roof. But my next thought was, well, but wait a minute, we've been dealing with rent potential declines even before this, right? Like this is not a new thing we've got because of the restrictions and regulations and there's already been a kind of a beating down on landlords and a dropping in price, right? The average selling price across GTA dropped by... And the other thing too that I definitely want to mention is there has been a big push for rental designated apartments. I'm saying that wrong. What do they What do they call that? The... it's Oh man, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyways, the units that are being built specifically for rental apartments. Uh, oh man, it's right. It's killing me here, guys. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. And so, because of that, <laughs> because of this influx of new inventory designated for rental, not condos, but for rentals, that has led to weakening on the rent rates, right? which is a good thing, right? In my mind, it's a good thing. And I get a lot of flack from landlords saying, "Well, you say you want rent rates to go down. I, I, why do you want to price everybody out of the market? You know, like what is, what are you trying to do here? If you're, if you're dying for that extra fifty bucks or hundred bucks a month, then get out of the game, man. You're not doing it right." Yet Treb warns that once the lockdown starts to end across the province, it's likely that province that prices will start to return to normal. So if you're looking to find yourself a new place to live, now may be the time to do so. Oh my gosh, I was so annoyed by this article. Like, I hope you guys are annoyed too. Like, what it, you got some out of this because I've been kind of explaining more. But based on this article, it's so flat. It's just like, okay, everything is as a result of the pandemic. And so when the pandemic is done, things will go back to normal. Come on. Like, come on, there's no, there's no, there needs to be more explained here. You guys got a little bit out of hopefully our conversation here. This, I, I really purpose built rentals. Damn it. That's what it's called because of these influxes in rental units we've seen come on the market. 
there has already been downward pressure on rental rates. There was even a talk of it going negative even before this pandemic, even though prices are going up. So, oh my gosh. Anyways, very interesting stuff. And now, unfortunately, this article didn't do justice, but I am going to continue to watch and be very intrigued by what rent rates do. Will they go up? Will they go down? Will they go sideways? Will they go backwards? Whatever. Anyways, very fun stuff. Hopefully, you guys learned some stuff today coming out of the Treb stats. I've been so excited. You guys know I've been waiting for this forever. If you do want to check out our podcast slash video later today, go for it. Be my guest. Enjoy it. Always leave us a comment. Leave us a like. Let your friends know this podcast exists. We've been putting out daily content since COVID decided to rear its ugly, ugly face and ugly face. And we are so excited to continue to do this. We are seeing record numbers in our podcast downloads and it's been a wonderful journey. I've been getting up early for you guys and hopefully you guys have been learning some stuff faster than the media can teach you. I'll see you tomorrow bright and early with more. Take care and keep it real.